Hi, everybody. Welcome to Shasad Podcast, conversations between scholars from around the world who study childhood, youth, and related institutions historically. As an official production of the Society for the History of Children and Youth, you can subscribe to these shows through iTunes or Google Play. Written and visual materials associated with each episode are available at our website, shcy.org. Enjoy. All right. Good afternoon. My name's Kiana Witted. I'm a professor of English and African American Studies at the University of South Carolina. Um, and I'm here today interviewing co-editors of Picturing Childhood, Youth in Transnational Comics. I'm going to ask our two co-editors to introduce themselves. My name is Mark Heimerman. I'm an assistant professor of English at Silver Lake College of the Holy Family. My name is Brittany Tullis. I'm associate professor of Spanish and Women and Gender Studies at St. Ambrose, where we're actually holding this interview today um, at the 20th uh, International Comic Arts Forum. Which is kind of serendipitous because this is where Brittany and I met in, I think, 2014 um, or maybe okay. 2012. I yeah, I think it was probably 2014, and, and I was actually giving a talk on um, Mafalda, which was yeah. the, the sort of work that I turned into right. the essay that I contributed yeah, yeah. Um, um, to the piece. Right, so it all comes around full circle. Yes. Yeah. yes. So both of you are from, uh, you're both working on comics and in comic studies, but you're from different disciplines, so I think it would be great to hear a little bit about the intellectual journey that led to the creation of this collection and how you both saw yourselves as contributing to, um, to, its, to its content. Yeah, so I am really interested in depictions of childhood, but I'm not as interested in um, childhood in relation to young adult literature. So I was interested in depictions in comics that were geared towards adults to think about sort of what messages they were sending or reinforcing or critiquing mm -hmm. or that sort of thing. Um, and one of the things that I found is that the vast majority of the literature on, child in, on children in childhood at the mm -hmm. time, both in comic studies and in childhood studies, tended to focus on either young adult literature or more um, historical or sociological perspectives mm -hmm. on children in childhood. So I was interested in exploring that sort of thing further. Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah, and Mark actually approached me um, to talk about the possibility of collaborating on this kind of project following um, the, the talk I had given on Mafalda. And um, it was a really interesting um, sort of point of departure in some ways from the work that I was doing, but also a, a continuation in that I was looking at representation of women in um, feminist Latin American comics, but mm -hmm. the path that sort of took me down um, that I don't think I foresaw from the beginning of that, but but which now strikes me as very logical, is that that I was looking very much at the representation of girls as well, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So like looking at um, constructions of girlhood um, and lived experience of girls in certain times of places as, as well as that of women. Um, and so I think that we were able to sort of come at this with, with different perspectives in terms of what we were working for and that for and sure. that helped us kind of like imagine um, the sort of breadth that we wanted to try to achieve in the collection as well. Yeah, and I remember the, the I volunteered 
I was part of the, the executive committee of the conference at the time, mm-hmm. and I had volunteered to moderate that panel specifically because it was about, like, I can't remember the title, but it was like girls or girlhood uh-huh. yeah. and comics, something like that. Right. And then I remember enjoying all the presentations, but I thought, you know, in particular, I felt, you know, in addition to just being an excellent presentation, that yours really covered things that my own studies were lacking, mm-hmm. right? Like, for example, an emphasis on, on girlhood, um, transnational, um, you know, approaches to childhood, that sort of thing, too. Because I had gotten the, the idea from one of my advisors, Joe Austin, who's right. in history at the mm-hmm. University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. And, you know, we were talking about my interests, and he said, you know, because there's not so much out there specifically on what you're thinking of, you could do an edited collection. And he had done an edited collection himself on youth culture when he was younger mm-hmm. and had found it very helpful for his career. Um, but I was just at a place, you know, finishing up my coursework for my PhD, that right. sort of thing, where I didn't think I was would even be capable to pull this off by myself, but I really liked it, and, or liked the idea. And so um, it was really serendipitous yeah. that Brittany and I had connected at that conference, too. And then, I mean, we also asked you, Kiana, and, and um, our colleague, Brandon yes. Costello, um, for advice, too, because you had done a, a successful anthology, too relatively recently at that point as well. So we appreciate the guidance we got from you. Oh, you're very welcome. Right, on comics in the South. Yeah, right. exactly. Yes, yes. So then, and you mentioned um, about Brittany contributing that kind of transnational perspective or opening you up to that idea. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about when you put together the collection and put out the call for papers, the kinds of, were you surprised by the sort of responses that you did get? And then did you have to sort of go hunting a little further to pull out perspectives or, or texts or approaches that just weren't readily coming in that first call for papers, for instance? I mean, I think that we were both really um, pleasantly surprised with the response that we got. I think that, you know, being first-time editors of this sort of collection, um, we struggled a little with this idea also of, like, do we find a publisher, or do we do the call for papers, and, mm-hmm. and what if we do the proposal, and then we sort of have trouble getting proposals. Right. Um, and so we sent out the call for papers, and I don't remember the number now. And it's it was bad. over wish, 40. But it was like oh, 52, wow. for some yeah, reason, is yeah. the number that sticks yeah. out in my head. That sounds and about right. We really imagined that we would put out this call for papers, we'd set the deadline, we would get, you know, the like 15 articles, and right. then we'd have to sort of hunt around and find some people and, and say, you know, please, we really are looking yeah. for this. And and we were sort of lucky in that we had um, just such, such a range, right? Like there was so much in there to choose from. And so... Um, and and Mark, I don't know. If, do you remember if we if there were essays that we that we specifically asked? Because we asked we just... Kiana for an essay. Okay. Yeah, and then we did ask one or two other people. One of them was able to contribute, um, or was not able to contribute, or not right. interested in. Right, right. And I think the other one expressed some interest, um, but what they wanted to write about, um, or the length they wanted to write wasn't going to be long enough to, to right. contribute I do or to, that, to yeah. Uh, include. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but I feel like we were really lucky to have, um, we got a lot of proposals in yeah. that first call. I, I will say the one thing, you know, because we said in the CFP we're open to multiple disciplines, we're open to, you know, we want to see proposals that talk about various places mm-hmm. um, or time periods, that sort of thing, and we did get that. There was a lot of superhero okay. stuff. There was. Um, and when we went through the proposals, one of the things we did is we first just looked at like 
what we thought were the strongest abstracts, right? So we didn't necessarily go like, we definitely want this, um, you know, just because it's about this topic. We really just wanted to make sure that like there was consistent right. quality. Right. Okay. Um, but within that, then we started to, to then say, well, what, Great. what do we want to emphasize here too? Um, and so I think one of the things that we were looking at when we chose which to include was we wanted some coverage of when things were produced, mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. where things were produced. We did get more U.S.-based um, proposals than transnational. Yeah, we also right. had a couple um, chapters end up just falling through for various reasons, mm -hmm. some of which were tra transnational as well. Okay. Um, but that, you know, we went by like strength and quality of the abstract yeah. and then you know, put things together from there. Okay. Well, and I think too, because we sort of knew from the outset when we were when we were planning this that we were not going to be able to cover everything, right? Like, like yeah. this is supposed to really be kind of a starting point in this conversation yes. in some yeah. ways, in which we're not we we don't pretend to cover right. the full breadth of yeah. youth and transnational comics, right? Um, and and so yeah, we really just wanted to go with with strong pieces right. that that opened that conversation yeah but then within that we wanted a variety to say like these right. representations matter across time and across place right. okay mm -hmm. so why don't you tell us a little bit about some of that range and uh, depth that you did get with some of the essays in the collection and then maybe would you say that there are a few sort of claims or arguments that thread throughout the collection or that are that would that you would say that are highlighted a bit more yeah. um, in some of the essays, or perhaps there's no single, you know, through line right. um, through all that you receive. But tell us a little bit about what's in it. Sure. Do you want to start, or do you want me to? I can start. <laughs> uh, I mean, my own essay is about sort of um, the way in which children that look different are, you know, commodified or exploited by adults, right? And that's a theme mm -hmm. through other things that I write about too as part of a larger project. Um, you know, and I see that as um, difference being, you know, a rationale for people to exploit people, but also it's, it's um, metaphorically embodies what treating people differently does. So mm -hmm. it's like, you know, both a metaphor for the dehumanization of it, but also then like the justification for it, which is this weird like double bind. Okay. Right. Um, and so I was looking at, you know, a contemporary Canadian cartoonist. Okay. Um, I think that, you know, we got a lot about. Um, yeah, what, who was the cartoonist? What was the text? Jeff Lamar. Okay. Yeah, it's Sweet Tooth is a text. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know, we got, I think the common argument across all these texts, um, which has to be a little bit broad because mm -hmm. of how many chapters there are is that these representations actually make a really big difference in the thinking in societal thinking um, and communicating values uh, you know for example there was what you know this wonderful essay about the use of of children in finnish um, comic strips oh, yeah. you know or newspaper strips to mobilize support for the war effort during world war ii um, even though you know I, I think at the time they were neutral but like talking about like you know using children to talk about the value of like rationing food or things right. like that, right? And so um, that was one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. uh, but overall, you know, they all contribute to the sense that, that childhood matters. Like we often dismissed it, right. 
as being you know kid stuff or not as important or let's focus on the adult issues right like um, but that's really an incomplete view of the world in which we live mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right and there is I mean I think the one other discipline that's really interested in in these sorts of questions are um, queer theory because of okay. because of the emphasis on futurity mm -hmm. you know in in you know recent decades mm -hmm. um, and that sort of thing but and we have some of that too I think within the volume for example there's an essay on um, Zap comics that talk mm -hmm. that sort of looks at these countercultural um, illustrations of, of family mm -hmm. um, that really sort of show this this idealized image as you know flawed mm -hmm. yeah what would you say about yeah and, and I think too that you know one of the sort of major themes um, that runs through the book um, is this idea of, of comics and, and popular culture sort of in a larger sense of being not just representational but also generative right so this mm -hmm. power of um, the, the images and the media that we consume as not just reflecting certain social realities, but also having sort of the power to change them, right? And so, um, or, or at the very least to uh, make readers aware and to, and to question them, right? So looking at, you know, in my chapter on Mafalda, for example, sort of using characters, um, like the, the title character as a young girl to sort of question these, um, these issues of social justice, particularly as they pertain to women and girls in 60s and 70s Argentina, um, but then also having the sort of um, thinking about the fact that this is a strip that's published in a, a very widely read newspaper with daily distribution mm -hmm. where, you know, you have people sort of consuming these ideas and these critiques um, and then in, incorporating them into their thinking about their own questioning of things that are, that are happening in society. Right. Um, and, and I think that this is something that, that plays out in, in a number of the chapters yeah. throughout the book. Absolutely. So in terms of challenges, I mean, it sounds like it's, it's surprising to me that you got so many contributions, though not surprising as much to hear about how many superhero mm -hmm. uh, themed stories that you may have gotten. Um, what challenges did you encounter, though? What did you think remains what do you think remains unknown mm -hmm. or what future research? You mentioned that this is the start of a broader conversation. Do you feel like in the few couple of years since the book's been out that other people have sort of built on that or taken things that you've done or gone in other directions? One of our contributors, Laura Saguse, mm -hmm. I think that's how you pronounce it, mm -hmm. just had a book come out called Incorrigibles in Innocence, mm -hmm. which is amazing. And it's it's not on, it's it's not from the chapter that she included in our anthology, which was on um, like Toon Comics. Mm -hmm. um, but it's about sort of progressive era representations of, of children and childhood in, in comic strips mm -hmm. of that time period. And, you know, she's, doing something similar, like children read those, mm -hmm. right? But the, the most people reading those, I think, were adults, mm -hmm. right? And so uh, books like that, I think, really continue um, in that tradition. I would highly recommend mm -hmm. that, that book. Not only is, is it an interesting, like, what it's talking about, but also it's just very well written okay. as well. Um, and so there are 
people doing things and continuing to do things. And there, you know, to be fair, there were people that had done things prior to us. There just right. wasn't a lot of it, mm -hmm. right? Or as much as we felt um, there should be or could be, mm -hmm. right? And so I think that one of the things going forward um, is hopefully that there'll be more and more books like Laura Sagusag's mm -hmm. that continue to explore these specific moments or specific depictions in larger depth. Mm -hmm. right? right? These book-length manuscripts on it as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I, th I just think that the, the sort of biggest challenge that we faced is, is really in terms of um, the, the scope of the book, right? I mean, trying to, um, to get good coverage of, of um, transnationality. And I, I am so glad to see other people adding to that sort of conversation. Um, this is one of those projects that is, that is a large one and I think is necessarily sort of collaborative across the field. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, in terms of, of it being an anthology, right, an edited collection, um, you know, it was sometimes challenging for me, although it, it, it was fine, but it was sometimes challenging for me to try to just negotiate all of the different, um, you know, writers mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. things like that. Um, we lot, you know, as I mentioned before, we ended up having a couple fall through. Mm -hmm. um, one, just because they didn't want to make the changes that we felt would be necessary um, to really, you know, raise it to the level that we wanted it to be. Okay. Um, another that just couldn't deliver, mm -hmm. you know. That happens. You know, okay. yeah, and so, you know, we would have loved, loved to have those in it, um, but, you know, we, we were pleased with what came out of it, too. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like I was, you know, really fortunate to have a co-editor that when I was at a, at points in my own, like, mm -hmm. you know, school or research that she was, she didn't mind picking up the slack at times. Mm -hmm. And I hope she feels no, that absolutely. vice versa, right? <laughs> um, and so, you know, you it started as a question about challenges, but I actually think the fact that we did this as co-editors, mm -hmm. like, is one of the things that allowed us yeah. to succeed here, too. You know, I think early on we were struggling a little bit because we had sent out, you know, just sort of a feeler to a publisher um, and they just like never responded. Mm -hmm. And so we were sort of waiting for that. And then Brittany's like, you know, I, I talked to Frederick Aldama, who's a series editor, um, about another project and I mentioned this and he's like, just send it to me. Okay. Right? So we gave that other person, a, you know, some, a little more time to see if they were interested. We didn't want them to feel like we pulled it out from under them, you know, but we never heard anything back at, at, at all, right? And so that part was frustrating, but then it just like, you know, everything worked itself out okay. yeah. in the end too. And you published this with Texas, right? Yeah, yeah. Right, University of Texas Press. Absolutely. Right. Okay. And I think that picturing childhood, um, one of the things that made the book appealing to them was the transnational mm -hmm. aspect of it right um, because they do a lot of um, Latinx Latinx yeah. um, studies stuff mm -hmm. and you know the Aldama ser the series that Aldama edits there oh, yeah. says like world graphic novels well and, and that was it yeah thing. and that was a new series that they mm -hmm. had just started at the yeah. time too it was like it was like um, World comics and graphic nonfictions, or something yeah, along those yeah. lines, and so they were really excited about the sort of the the, um, the transnational aspect of the book. And, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, but I mean, working with the people at mm -hmm. 
um, University of Texas Press too on it was oh. really easy, really encouraging too. Yeah. So I think we were really fortunate in no, a lot of ways. No, they were wonderful. They were wonderful. No, and I and and for me too. I mean, you know, I've I've published articles, right? I've published some book chapters. This was my first um, sort of foray into taking on this kind of size of project, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was really glad to have a co-editor. And like Mark said, it, we worked really well together as far as kind of like, sometimes you have to carry a little more of the weight one yeah, week yeah. when you've got, you know, and, and all of that was great. And and, and, that, and also that we could trust each other that sure. if we needed to step back for a little bit, the thing wasn't going to fall apart or lose right. track, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. And it's really been, um, it was such a great experience for me and it's really led me to think more about um, <clears throat> the sort of power of collaborative work, which I think is 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 um, not privileged in academia in many right. ways, right? Like we are at least people, not in the humanities in the same way. Not in the sure. humanities, yeah. you're right. Yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, mm -hmm. I think that there's this sort of privileging of the monograph, there's this privileging of this idea of this sort of lone, solitary thinker who's kind of like, you know, having these ideas and channeling them into the world via publications. And um, I really, you know, this was something for me that I, I feel like I learned by experience that, um, you know, sometimes you're just able to produce work with other people that you can't produce yourself. Like right. I, I know that at that point in my life, I was, I was, um, I think in my first year of a tenure track position when we started this, yep. I was finishing my dissertation. Mm -hmm. um, I'm still not sure why I decided yeah. this was a good idea. I'm still, I'm very <laughs> I'm glad, glad did. I did it. Yeah. Um, but no, but I, I, I couldn't have done it by myself. Yeah. yeah. You know? And and really, I, I think that going forward too. I mean, it's something that that I feel like we should sort of encourage. Um, you know, younger scholars, but also those of us in tenured positions, to to sort of say, like, let's think about the power of collaborative work. Like, right. it can be such a it can be such a great thing um, for the discipline and, and for the field. Right, and I think that part of the collaborative work that we do do is kept hidden, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, you go to a presentation or go to a conference, give a presentation, you get feedback, right? Right, you submit to a journal. Yeah. You get peer reviewed and you get comments, but then when that final piece comes out that might have started at that presentation and then gone through further revisions with the feedback, you know, you only ever see it as this sole author the piece. Sole author. And it is, a, you know, you don't want to take away credit in the hard, in acknowledgement of the hard work that people have done, but we're not always getting there on our own either. That's right. right. Can, can I ask a follow-up for you, Keanu? Yes, ask your follow-up. You know, we were talking a little bit about collaboration and working together, and I'm just curious, as a contributor, what was the experience like for you? I, You all are terrific editors. It was a great experience, again, having done that myself yeah. and knowing what it's like to have to wrangle submissions and edits and so forth. I thought, um, so the essay that I wrote was on comics and Emmett Till, yeah. <laughs> and it was a piece that I had been work kind of throwing around the back of my mind for a while because I study race and history in comics and I kept noticing people who sort of mentioned this really horrible and unmentionable type act but visualizing it in these really creative and bold ways and so the opportunity that you all gave me to write about that um, was terrific as well as you know the feedback and Sometimes you can get wires crossed when you're co-editing and you may hear from both who don't seem to know what the other is doing. Right. That wasn't the case yeah. here. Um, and I thought the suggestions you gave me were helpful. Um, 
ushering through each stage. So, so I enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, I think good. the turnaround, like it, you guys had it out very quickly by the time, from the time from submissions to proofs. Yeah. Um, you know, I've worked on collections where it sat for a year before I got feedback. Oh, oh gosh. Yeah, and then I won't yeah. name any names, but right. Uh, and then when you get the edits, you're like, I don't even remember what I said in this. <laughs> um, so I appreciate that opportunity, yeah. and uh, the the essay's been well received. So yeah, I've, and yeah, thank you for that. And you went on. I mean, it was our pleasure, but you got further sort of value out of that beyond the collection, right? To have did you do other work with that material that you wrote for the anthology? I did. So there's um there's a project. I think, I can't quite remember, but I think that it's sponsored in part through the Schomburg um, Center for African American Research in Harlem that had um, a web project called the Emmett Till Project. And so they interviewed me yeah. and um, did, we did a podcast sort of similar to, to this um, and posted some material from the article yeah. on their that web portal. Um, and then I was also nominated, I don't know if I told you all, for an award for on media and civil rights history. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't know. I was like, where are they going to, they mostly, it, the, the, I was a finalist. Yeah. Um, the award went to someone who looked at a journalist and yeah. it was a media you sure. know, yeah. centered award. But I thought, you know, well, that's com wonderful. Comics work here too, and yeah, so they seem great. to receive it well. So yes, yeah. you all helped me, yeah, and you good. all have been nominated as well for yeah. the Oscar of Comics, the Comic Industry yeah. for a Will Eisner Award for this yeah. collection, which must feel nice. How was it? How was it to get that news? It was completely unexpected, honestly. It was completely because we got you know just the way the calendar worked. It came out in a spring, spring 2017, mm -hmm. Picture in Childhood came out. And then, um, but it wasn't eligible for the, the Eisners those that year. Sure. Right? Until so, the following Right, year. so it wasn't until a full year later that we were told that it was, it was nominated for the, I think the best academic or scholarly work in comic studies. Um, and we also didn't receive it, but I mean, no, but it also I, it also went to Frederick Aldama, right? The series editor. <laughs> yes, for a, for a different word. Yeah. So so yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's very nice. Yeah, and I think, but I think that also speaks to the idea that people are interested in this topic. Absolutely. Right. Right. And um, you know, when we talked about further things um, or further directions, you know, to hear that, you know, you took your piece and and were able to continue to share it and mm -hmm. and. You know that it stayed, you know, relevant within specific fields or or um, communities. Like mm -hmm. that's one of one of the great things about the anthology. I think is that um, it also. I don't think most people teaching a course on comics or on childhood would have people read the entire anthology. Right. Right. But they're going to pull out um, the things that make the most sense for their discipline or their perspective or what they're trying to do. Um, and so I think that. That's the other benefit of it mm -hmm. too, is right. that it provides access points for a variety of, of perspectives or fields as well. So. Well, congratulations on your success. Thank, Thank you, you for chatting with us today. And wanna give us the title of the book again, just so yeah. that we leave on a, on a high note. Yes, yeah, so the <laughs> title is um, Picturing Childhood, Youth and Transnational Comics, published by the University of Texas Press.
Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Shusai Podcasts. You can find more materials and features from the Society for the History of Children and Youth online. S-H-C-Y dot org.